Welcome to the Industry or Coffin Cast. I am your host Nathan, and and we'll talk about the big game fifty four with my with a special guest, uh, my older brother Lincoln. Welcome to the Industry Horror Coffin Cast, my older bro Lincoln. How you doing? I'm doing good, Nathan. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. I mean, you are my bro. Uh, I, I just <laughs> wish we did this sooner, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> me too, but I'm uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to talk with you. Same here. Okay, so first question. I mean, everybody has been pretty much been talking about Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but let's talk about what a lot of people, most people around the world, the real reason why most people around the world, besides watching the game, uh, what was, what did you think was the best uh, Big Game 54 commercial to you? Oh, man, the best commercial had to be the Hulu commercial with Tom Brady. I, uh, I got psyched out. I, I got so excited, you know, being a Jets fan and, and having him kick our butts for, what, the last 15 years. I, I honestly thought he had paid for a commercial to come out and announce his retirement. I thought it'd be the most Patriots Tom Brady thing of all time. And then just found out that Hulu had live sports. So I, I was I was completely baffled and uh, very disappointed. Uh, but I, I thought it was a hilarious commercial, uh, even though I think I was the intended audience of the joke. Yeah, I... Yeah, as soon as he revealed that picture all black and white and everybody was, like, speculating, does this mean Tom Brady's going to retire? Tom Brady's going to retire? And, and, I just, and I just thought, man, this is as quick bait as you can get. This is the whole point and genius of him to do that as well because it had everybody looking forward to what is this all about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, questions leading up to the game with the, that black and white photo is he is he going to the field or is he he coming off the field and, and what could this mean and uh no nope, just a hulu commercial they punk punked us all um uh, i didn't really fall for that i was just curious about it but i'm like this has to be something this, this has to be something this, this has to mean something this can't be just all for Nothing. This has to be either he's announcing his retirement or this has to be some way of, of an ad. It, it just had to be. I, I didn't get quite fooled as much as everybody else. <laughs> I, I was definitely fooled. I, I uh, was watching and really sat up on the edge of my seat for it. So I, I thought that was the, the best ad um, out there. What, what did you think? Were, th- were there any good ones that, that stuck out to you? Uh, I mean, I mean, some of them were heartwarming. Some of them were one of those. Uh, did someone look into one of my drafts for like a commercial idea? You know those kind of things. Because you, you go even think I even thought about that my myself. What did people do before Alexa? And then they found a clever way with that. I I really enjoyed the Amazon Alexa commercial, as in showing the clever ways of instead instead of saying Alexa, so there there's a gesture and and asking all these questions. I just thought it was really clever uh, with that. Uh, I also yeah, I, I like that ad too. Uh, that was, that was a good one. 
And I also fought the Google commercial uh, with Remember Goretta. That was heartwarming. That that had tears going. Yeah, I, I never thought a search engine would make me cry, but um, it, it seemed a little out of place, you know. Uh, here we are during this, you know, overall the Super Bowl is about getting together with friends and family and, you know, watching the big game and kind of laughing. Um but, uh, yeah, that, that was super heartwarming um, and super well done, too. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that search engine can make you cry. Just trust me, uh, <laughs> I think every, every person on the face of the earth has found, has cried because of a search engine for a whole different reason. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But also, I really enjoyed the Pringles ad as well. Uh, because I really enjoy Rick and Morty and the way that they designed the Pringles bots and them being aware that this, this is a Pringles ad, you know, and, and the Pringles bots kind of remind me that it's a little bit of a homage to the 1980s movie They Live. Have you ever seen that movie They Live? I, I haven't seen They Live, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was probably the best uh, integrated commercial for sure. But the one that I'm really surprised hasn't been talked about a lot has to do with, is it later now with Charlie Day for Tide? <laughs> yeah, their, uh, their whole uh, Procter & Gamble um, big ad run was, was pretty good. Um, and uh, I thought it was uh, well played throughout the, the Super Bowl. The, the other parts of that kind of huge commercial um didn't make a ton of sense to me but that part definitely did yeah i mean i still remember let me see i think it was like two two big games like two years ago they had a tight ad on like oh i didn't realize i was in a tight ad because my clothes were clean you know that kind of thing like i didn't know i was in a tight ad well yeah. you're in a, you're in a tight ad Definitely. I mean, Tide has been bringing it in the past couple of years. I mean, who knew that a laundry detergent would bring their best game to the big game? <laughs> they got to do it. Where else are they going to bring their game to, you know? I don't know. They could have saved it maybe for March Madness, you know? Maybe have it be out of the ordinary. I guess they could have. I guess they could have. But, uh, yeah, that... Tide did a great job as well. Yeah. I mean, what would a March Madness tied at? I mean, I guess with a towel here or that, or everybody's so gosh darn messy and everything that they're like, March Madness. Yeah, everybody's dirty. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't get as dirty playing basketball, though, I feel, as you do playing, playing football or, uh, you know, spilling nachos on yourself. Yeah. I know, but that would be the only way to be able to do a March Madness tight ad. It's, it's just pretty much all in hysteria, March Madness. Uh, everything's dirty for some strange reason. Have it on a basketball court, and then you got your tight ad. <laughs> hey, man, pitch it. All right. Okay, so there was a scenario that had a lot of sports... Sports experts, football experts, in in outrage 
uh, with a minute and 30 seconds left till halftime. And the clock kept on winding down with all three timeouts. And Kyle Shanahan didn't call a timeout and let it wind down to the point till it got to 59 seconds. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was definitely confusing um, that Kyle didn't didn't take timeouts there. I think you know from from what I've I've heard is he was thinking you know what going in into halftime what they they were going into halftime tied right? Yeah, tied uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs against Patrick Mahomes. I get yeah I can understand with that, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? You are the coach, okay? Here's your question. Okay. With a minute 30 seconds left till halftime and the clock keeps on winding down, with all three timeouts, would you use one of those timeouts? And you can even elaborate, like, what specific time would you call the timeout? Yeah, if it had been me, um, I believe they, they didn't take a timeout before the punt, which was the thing... Um, that, that really surprised me was they let the, the clock run down uh, before they even got the ball back. And I would have taken the timeout there in hopes of, you know, preserving that 45, 50 seconds that, that ran off the clock at that time and set myself up knowing, hey, if I come out, I run it, they're probably going to take a timeout to see if they can get the ball back. Um, I know Shanahan was in kind of a no-man's land, and, and I think he played a little scared there. And I, I think it's that thing we, we talk about all the time when you when you play prevent defense or when you play not to lose. Uh, a lot of times that's exactly what you end up doing. Um, and I, I think that Coach Shanahan was just not playing playing to win there. And uh, it ended up costing him, you know, at least three points, right? Yeah, three points. But then again, that whole entire pass interference with George Kittle, I mean, if only that didn't happen, then maybe they would have had a field goal. But, I mean, you still got to play. I I understand. But this is the big game. You're on the big stage. You go all in. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that uh, I, I don't know what the percentage is. Are, um, but I know Bill Belichick does it all the time because they were going to get the kickoff back after halftime, and so you you score there and leave Kansas City with with no time or very little time, um, and then you get the ball back. You basically get to get the opportunity to go up two scores, and if you can if you can kind of do that double score that double possession. I know it, it dramatically increases your chance to win the game. Yeah. Okay, let me let me tell you. <laughs> I I really get into the real detail here. Like I <laughs> just, just wait till you. Like, okay, if only there were four timeouts. But I understand what Kyle Shanahan had in mind. Uh, let it wind down. That way, there's 59 seconds left. You have the free timeouts just in case if a running play gets stuffed or accidentally made a turnover. That way you can use an extra timeout just in case. I get that. But you have to think way ahead of time. This is what I would have done. I would have used the timeout. That way there is plenty of time to get down the field, but not enough time for Patrick Mahomes to get back on the field and go for the end zone before halftime. That's what yeah. you do. 
Yeah, definitely. I, and I, I think the, the fear there was, I believe, Kansas City still had all three of their timeouts. So Yeah, they did. They, they had all three of their timeouts. But even, even thinking, you know, uh, things go dramatically wrong on the, on the punt, you, you get buried inside your, your 10 or something like that, you're, you're still, right, you're, you're still essentially going to end up with about 50 seconds left, um, and Kansas City not having any of their timeouts, assuming things go wrong and you have to run, run, run. Um, I, I think it was a risk-reward situation, and they they played it safe, and it cost them. Yes, uh, absolutely. So this, let me get more detail of. There's a lot more of me ex- explaining on what, like, like in in minute detail, <laughs> what I would have done. <laughs> minute or minute, if. if if you will. Yeah, minute detail, yeah. I wish it was I wish it took only a minute to write it down, but no, it took me five minutes to write all this down. What I would have done have the clock wind down for fifteen seconds, call a timeout, it's at one fifteen. The punt would happen. We have the ball starting most likely with one minute free or one minute, two seconds left. Worst case scenario, bought the own one, which actually with that actual punt, it nearly was at the one. But luckily one of the people But luckily one of the people just decided to touch wasn't able to toss the ball uh, over the one instead uh, toss it in the end zone or something. Yeah. During that play. Uh, but most likely, touchback, have ball at your own 20. See if I can do a run with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Moster, Debo Samuel. And, you know, for the sake of it, I I didn't understand why they didn't use Matt Breida. Maybe he was injured. If he's not badly injured, maybe have him put in a player too. You know, because they wouldn't see it coming. Yeah. And also he gets experience as well. If he's not badly injured. If it's an ACL, forget about it. You, you know, I, I wouldn't put him in. If he had an ACL or an MCL or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, even, even, even thinking about it more here, with you, even if it gets stuck on the one, you have Juszczyk, who's the, definitely the best fullback in the game. He, he can get you out of trouble there. Oh, that's how, that's how his last name is pronounced. Juszczyk. I, I, I kept on saying Juszczyk because they nicknamed him Juice, so I thought it was Juszczyk. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, he's he's great. Um, but they could have gotten out of trouble. Yeah. So okay, you you have it. Um, touch back. You're you're running the ball out. That's the conventional wisdom. Seeing if anything happens. Where, where do you go next? Okay, if we don't get a big gain, uh, hurry up offense. Do a pass play. Maybe a slant setup for Bourne, because Bourne has been pretty reliable during the playoffs uh, throughout. Uh, a post to George Kittle if he isn't under double coverage, or even a short screen pass to to the fullback Kyle Usick. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Kansas City was playing back there, right? Yeah. Uh, that that long uh, that long pass to Kittle showed that they're they're playing some some zone defense, and that, I think there would have been holes there. Yeah. Uh, if they don't go out of bounds, call a timeout. If they do go out of bounds, then I save a timeout. 
If it's third down, not a lot of time left, I would do a Hail Mary with an optional slant pass to my tight end and screen pass to my fullback. If we don't get in field goal range and there's plenty of time and we're in op- opponent's territory, I know that the Kansas City Chiefs did something similar with using Travis Kelsey for a running play, but I would instead, I would go for it and do a tight end toss with George Kittle. Because if we all remember from that one game against the New Orleans Saints, the way he is determined to get that yardage, he doesn't go down easy. No. No, you could almost run a, a double fullback situation and uh, you'd have Juice and Kittle run out there. Juice uh, lead blocking for Kittle or Kittle lead oh, yeah. blocking for Juice. Either I, way. Yeah. Worst case scenario, after this whole drive, I give the ball back to the Chiefs and own territory. Uh, coffin corner punt to the five-yard line and rely on my... I didn't come up with this, but this is a really clever name for this uh, rush defense. The gold rush defense with Nick Boza putting pressure. You got to trademark that, man. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard that one yet. Uh, I, I heard it from one of the sports radio people, so that's why I said I, I didn't come up with that. Okay, okay. Hopefully get a field goal to lead 13-10 or even get a touchdown with a 17-10 lead into halftime. If it ended up being 10-10, that stinks. But at least I know of putting all the stops to get the lead into halftime instead of not trying at all. Yeah, it's uh, hindsight 2020, I guess. Yeah, I know, but I just have a feeling like even if I didn't know all this stuff was going to happen, I would still stick with this. I mean, if you know your players... And you have this type of rushing attack. And you have the wide receivers that you have. I mean... I mean, the boys play. Yeah. You let them play. You don't go like, oh, gee. Oh, I, I guess I should kneel the ball and just go into halftime tied. No! If it was a regular season game, I understand that. This is the big game. You got... You have the momentum... If you have the momentum on your side, just even a little inch, a little slug of an inch, an inch warm to say, of a momentum, you go for it. Yeah, and, and at that point, San Francisco was playing pretty locked down on defense. I know they, um, I think Kansas City scored off of the uh, Jimmy G turnover, but other than that, um, what, they had held them to three points and then seven off the turnover? you, you got to be feeling pretty confident in your D there. Yeah. Okay. So most of the time with Hail Mary's defenses go prevent or man go free deep. That's pretty much almost like a golden rule with defense for some strange reason. That's why I say have a, have a tight end do a slant to the sideline or a screen pass to the halfback to get the first down and fool the defense to think I'm going to fold the Hail Mary. Hopefully Jimmy G will pump fake and pass to the tight end or halfback so that way they can catch the ball, go out of bounds, and if we're in field goal range, we can go with the field goal from there. So that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so here's the next scenario. Okay. You see, a, you see a very excited defensive coordinator after witnessing the second interception of Pat Mahomes. From you have the ball at your own 20 with 11.57 in the fourth quarter. What are the plays or formation that you would call? <laughs> 
Yeah, we at that point they were up ten, right? They were up by ten, and everybody will re- will remind Kyle Shanahan for the next year, or pretty much for the rest of his life, if he doesn't get back to the big game. Yeah, I mean, uh, what uh, Shanahan decided to do, he decided to run, right? Uh, that was a good call to run, but then he decided, for some peculiar reason, to keep on passing. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because, you know, we were just talking about Shanahan before the half playing not to lose, and then um, you have this great rushing offense, and at, at this point, this is kind of where you would sit on the ball, so to speak, and, and run it out, um, and he, he did start start kind of chucking it around a little bit. Yeah, it just... Okay, so... This is... I would mostly call... It's obvious. You do I-formation for running plays. Halfback dive. Halfback toss. Wide receiver sweep with Debo Samuel. Jet sweep. With Emmanuel Sanders, maybe. You, a, a fullback dive. And, and heck, maybe even a tight end dive. And, and halfback smash. You're up by 10. It's time to bleed the clock. This is your time. The momentum has swung to you. Maybe even a shotgun, but a one-step shotgun, not a five-step shotgun. Screen passes, posts, and even a deep attack. If you're in desperation, if the running attack isn't working, then I understand why you got to go with passing. Yeah, I, I, I think they... I mean, we, we talk about it all the time, right? getting cute with it a little bit like you, you almost outthink yourself um but you're, you're right you, you gotta go talk to your offensive line and say hey want to you want a super bowl ring you're you're about eight minutes from from locking that up um because if they they go up 17 there the game's over right i don't know kyle shanahan was part of a He's blown bigger leads before, right? Yeah. But it, it would have been in less time. Oh, man. If I find a way to get Kyle Shanahan as a guest on this podcast, oh, boy. <laughs> You're going to have some words, some strong words for him, right? Oh, not only that, he, will, he, would, he would give me the headset and say, all right, you think you got what it takes to be a coach? All right, I'm going to have you on the sideline and then see – how you do, and then I find a way to blow even a bigger lead than he does. It'd be hard to do, 28-3. to Uh, trust <laughs> When it comes to sports and... <laughs> we're thinking, like, if I'm playing a video game, I feel a lot more confident. If I'm on the sideline... <laughs> I mean, the only coaching experience I had is I, I had is Powder Puff, and I was just lucky to get that win, and it was a shutout. But I wasn't really coaching. I was one of those type of coaches that played in practice, and that was pretty much it, and, and tried to trick people to think that I'm calling the plays. I even made a whole entire notebook of plays and made it look like I was the one calling the plays. That way it would fool the juniors to think I was the play caller. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it sounds like you're one and out, so undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, when it comes to speaking to Kyle Shanahan, uh, what advice would you give to Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach? Play to win the game. Uh, yeah, play, I, I mean, play to win, right? Yeah. Uh, in all in all aspects, and feel confident in what you're doing. He's obviously a great coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he. I mean, he's got to the big game twice. I mean, that's two more than we could ever say in our lifetime. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've still got aspirations, but. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, you know. The coaching game is for a, a much younger crowd now, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the only advice is uh, just play to win. Um, and I, I think... Ah, uh, the great New York... Uh, ah, yes, the great New York Jets head former head coach Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. You, you do, you, and you can't play not to lose, right? Right. Uh, and and sometimes I think that's what what gets uh, what gets Shanahan in trouble. Um, I'm I'm sure if he was on, he'd tell you every time he goes out, he does everything in a, in a winning winning way. Um, I'm I'm a big follower of this new sports analytics. Um, philosophy uh, that's why i'm super excited to see what uh, mike mccartney does down in down in dallas i, I hope uh, that there you know there's a, there's a little proof in the pudding of what he says he's been doing this past year but i think anyone would agree that the end of half situation would have resulted better uh, how did he kind of you know used his time wisely and and I know clock management is only part of the, the game, but it's it's a big part. Um, and I, I think it goes with the whole philosophy, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But you already hit on what I would advise, Kyle Shan. Two words, clock management. <laughs> but when you have a huge lead, run the ball, run the ball. And here's my new philosophy for people out there. Passing the ball will help you score, but running the ball will help seal the game. Take advantage of your Hydra-like rushing attack. Good golly! <laughs> yeah, I know uh, our, our coaches growing up always told us uh, three things can happen when you pass the ball, and two of them are bad. So, you know, it's, it's either an incomplete pass which stops the clock, it's an interception, which is obviously terrible in that situation. Um, it, it came to fruition. Uh, or, you, or you get a completion. Um, <laughs> so it probably just wasn't the time to pass. Okay. There's a... Let's see here. I've, I have four more questions, and if you want, we could talk more about the XFL. Uh, okay, hit me with them. Okay, so everybody has been already been talking about this question. Everybody, and I mean everybody, has been making. Is this the beginning of a Kansas City Chiefs dynasty? Whew. I want to say no. The Jets fan in me says no, but uh, fortunately, I think it is the the beginning of the Kansas City 
Chiefs dynasty. I, I know with uh, salary cap um, exceptions, they've, they've got Mahomes um, on a still still on a rookie deal, I believe, uh, for another year or so. Yeah, uh, they do. He, he's going to get paid, that's for sure. Um, and when he gets paid, they'll, they'll probably have to get rid of some of the you know, pieces that they have on offense, some of his weapons. But um, right now, they're, they're looking great. And if you, if you remember, I, I believe they got rid of uh, Kareem Hunt this year, right? Yeah, they did. So they got rid of one of the best running backs in the league, and they, they still tore it up. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought? Damon Williams. I mean, even some people thought maybe Damon Williams should have gotten the Pete Rozelle trophy. Yeah, I mean, he he crushed it. He killed it. And obviously when, um, you know, Mahomes is such a special player, you almost have to put a guy on him to guard him. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the reason that old-school defenses worked was – it was basically 11 on 10 because you didn't have to take care of the quarterback. But now that you have to, to spy Mahomes, that just opens people up downfield. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think they they have the, the fastest wide receiver core by far um, and the second best tight end in the league. You think George Kill is the first? Oh, yeah, definitely. Kittle's I'm a Kittle over Kelsey guy, for sure. Oh, and it's not obvious for biased reason because he went to your alma mater, your University of Iowa. Yeah, there's there's no bias there. Definitely not. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to answer it in two different ways with this question. Okay. If they were in the NFC, then no. With consistent competitive contenders from the NFC, NFC especially the NFC West, Division, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, LA Rams, and a rebuilding Arizona Cardinals team. If Cliff Kingsbury can put himself together, then, yeah, that could be pretty scary. You add in the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, and, yeah, even the now controversial, once again, New Orleans Saints, and even the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. But since they're in the AFC, which... My answer is absolutely. The competition that they have is a fading away Patriots, young Ravens, young Titans, and a terribly coached Houston Texans to face. And soon to be terribly managed as well Houston Texans to face. This will not be the last time we see this team from the show me state of Missouri. (laughs) Will show us what they got in store for us. Yeah, you, you make a great point about the AFC being weaker. I, I'd say the the competition in the AFC, the, the cream kind of rises to the top. I, I would say Baltimore is probably the next most competitive team in the league overall, but um, the ceiling on the NFC teams, although isn't as high, there's, there's a lot more teams up there that could be competitive and knock you off. I'm, uh, I'm I'm not a buyer of Tennessee. Uh, Miami's rebuilding still there. 
Um, Indianapolis, what are they going to do at quarterback? It's there's a lot of a lot of questions there, um, and I, I think you have a kind of a two horse race every year in the AFC for a couple years to come here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, with the Indianapolis Colts, that's my team. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them to even. I don't know why they would go after Phil Rivers, but they might find a way to try to go after Phil Rivers. You know what? I I heard a name floated out there the other day. I I think Matt Stafford would be a good fit in Indianapolis. Oh. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Matt Stafford. I mean, with his precision passing, and all he just needed some blockers, and the Indianapolis Colts have kind of improved with blockers lately. So maybe that might make the difference. Maybe Matt Stafford, crazy enough, might find a way to make the Indianapolis Colts good. Yeah, I mean, competitive at least. I mean, I mean, not to say they weren't competitive this year, but. Uh... I, I think Stafford or, or Rivers, right, makes makes them competitive. Yeah. Okay, so if you were a coach and down by 10 points in the game, what would you tell your team that way they don't lose hope or collapse entirely? Oh, man. Wouldn't collapse entirely. Well, I'm a big... That's a great question. What do, what do you tell your team down 10 points? I think you just have to tell them to, to go out there and play, and there's there's plenty of time left, right? Um, especially for Kansas City. They, they had done it so many times before and been down by such big margins and, and reminding them, like, hey, our offense is built on scoring fast, um, and, and we're going to get the ball back quickly either way. Um you know, because you are anticipating a lot of runs coming out um, from the other team there. Again, you know, being up 10 points, uh, even if you score, they're still going to have the lead, and everyone seems to get into into conservative mode. Wow, that's a lot better answer than what I came up with. I, I just, I just made mine straight to the point. Uh, I would tell them, just take it one drive at a time. We have found ways to win, so let's keep at it. I mean, what else can you... Yeah, it's, uh, I I think what you're getting at is believe in the system, because the system works. Um, And and I I think that's that's probably what Andy Reid told them. Okay, so let's say we're somehow in a bizarre universe, uh... The 10-point lead wasn't blown, and Kansas City just fell short of making the comeback. If the San Francisco 49ers won, who do you think would have won the big game 54 MVP uh, Pete Rozelle trophy? Do you give it to... I think Coleman ended up having the most rushing yards for them. Is that right? Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, either Coleman or, or Jimmy G, but probably it's a quarterback's league. We we probably give it to Jimmy G. Probably if they end up winning that game, he doesn't throw that second pick, and um, and and so we look at the 
the first three quarters of his stat line and say, man, Jimmy G had a great game. And I think that's where a lot of people are, are, are breaking down right now is, like, Jimmy G had a great first three quarters. Like, if that was all, all the Jimmy G we saw all the time, he'd be the best quarterback ever. Uh, but that fourth quarter, I think he had a, a QBR of something like 30 or something like that. Um, just, just not good. Well, I actually have a whole entire different answer. I I mean, let's say with that terrible quarter, but still the 49ers found a way not, not to blow it. Regardless of Jimmy G having a terrible performance in the fourth quarter, uh, I think I would be one of those few people that would say this, but I mean the fullback, uh, Kyle Usyk. Kyle Usyk, I mean, he scored the touchdown, and, you know, that made a key difference right, right there. A kind of a little bit of a momentum shift, but also maybe even defensive end Nick Bosa. Yeah, Bosa, Bosa had a great game. I don't know what his stat line was, but uh, he was in the backfield a lot. Uh, and I've, I've heard uh, former players recently talking about they, they remember the tackles they didn't make. And I felt like two or three times Bosa was a half step away from getting to Mahomes. And I, I, I'd be curious if I ever got the chance to ask him. I don't think I'd have the balls to. But he, uh, he I, I'd wonder if. Uh, if he felt that that same way, that he was really close on a lot of plays that I think could have changed the outcome of the game. I think on that third and 15 even, he was, you know, maybe a step or two away from, from getting there. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, he was he was just a shoulder away. If he just grabbed that shoulder, that, that precision in the pass would have been a whole different. It would have been overthrown. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, all oh, the little details. But most likely, they, uh, of course, they would give it to Jimmy G. Or even they might give it to halfback Raheem Mostert, you know, just because he scored a touchdown. You know, it's one of those things. You, did you score a touchdown? Did you make a, a, a key a moment in the game? Yeah, I mean, up until that point, I, you know, think, thinking about it, I don't know if I've ever seen such a like a full team effort, right? Usually there's there's one or two superstars, and I, I guess in in the league when it is a full team effort, you gotta gotta give the nod to the quarterback. But everyone was contributing in their own ways. I mean, Debo Samuel, how many how many yards rushing did he have? That's that's insane for a you know a, a traditional slot receiver. Um, they were just finding a lot of ways to get a lot of guys involved, and it was overall a, a pretty good game plan. Um, but I guess pretty good doesn't win the Super Bowl, does it? Uh, neither does a blowing a 10-point lead either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <clears throat> okay, final question. Did you enjoy the game overall? Definitely. I, I think this year's game had something a little bit different and that normally I think everyone tunes in rooting, you know, whoever's playing the Patriots and this year, you know, didn't really have any rooting interest on either side. Um, 
I guess being in California was more in favor of the uh, 49ers winning, but you know, it was just a, an enjoyable game, and it, it, it seemed to kind of trot along into the, the third quarter late there. Um, but the fourth quarter was action-packed, and what more could you ask for? How about you? Did you enjoy the game? Uh, I really enjoyed the, the game. It was one of those kind of games that I, I really appreciate with the fact that, number one, I was happy the New England Patriots weren't in it. And number two... That's a win in itself. America won because of that. Yeah. And number two, it was a better game than the big game 53. At least a a couple more points, right? (laughs) Yeah. It it was great in terms... I I never thought of... It was a really team effort, and I didn't really think of that. But really, it was really a team effort. You saw everybody, and this was for the first time in a long time, you didn't blame the kicker. The kickers did their job. <laughs> Bucker and Gold both made their field goals, and, and the punters didn't do too bad of a job either, especially the punter for Kansas City, which he nearly had that ball at the one-yard line if only one of his guys just found a way to just throw it over and it would have been at the one. Yeah. And especially number three reason that I really enjoyed this big game. Because no matter what, we saw an Iowa Hawkeye, not just one, but two Iowa Hawkeyes end up holding up that Lombardi trophy. At least getting to touch it. Got to be part of it. Yeah, I was was really hoping... You know, I, I would never wish an injury or, or anything, but I, I was hoping San Francisco would get up so big that uh, C.J. Beathard would get in the game and maybe throw a, throw a pass to Kittle for old time's sake. Yeah, you're not going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, we, we, we weren't even close. <laughs> no, not even with a 25-point lead. No, no, you're... You're not going to get that. <laughs> Especially not with Kyle Shanahan. That's not enough points. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just hoping that next year he just goes like, all right, I am tired of everybody with the 25-point lead jokes. I am tired of everyone making fun of the fact that I'm probably responsible for two out of the three fourth-quarter comebacks in all of the big game history. I am tired of hearing it. I am determined we're gonna get it. Well, he's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to get through that tough NFC like you were saying, and uh, and then get through either Kansas City or Baltimore. It seems like now. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Seattle. See, well, maybe I shouldn't go that far. I feel like this is going into a pattern for some strange reason. Okay, because the big game fifty three, L.A. Rams. Big game 54, San Francisco 49ers, NFC West, big game 55, Pat Mahomes facing against Russell Wilson. I mean, we could see it. I, I think Russell's going to need uh, need some help there. Um, I know they they had terrible luck at, at running backs uh, with late-season injuries, but... Even with that, it seemed like they were kind of a, a shell of a team 
Um, but they didn't seem legit. They they seemed like fakers. And I, I think they were eventually exposed, right? Yeah. I mean, especially with that last uh, the last week facing against the uh, 49ers. They were <laughs> obviously exposed. But that one yard led to a whole entire domino effect. I mean... It was just crazy that one yard, that is the definition. You show that picture, and one yard makes a difference. And you got that darn right. Yeah. yeah the, there were so many close games for San Francisco this year. Um, and, you know, I think they, they came out in games that were decided on basically the last play. I think they came out winning... Um, three of four or two of three uh, and that you know that goes from them missing the playoffs altogether to you know being from being the five seed with that that last play against the Seahawks to being the number one overall seed getting that by playing all those games in Levi Stadium it's a huge difference huge difference and I, I think that just goes to show kind of the the parody at the top in that NFC. Yeah, but I can't say the same with the NFC East, or as a lot of people are saying, the NFC East. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. I, I thought Dallas and Philadelphia were, were both great teams this year. Um, Philadelphia had the, the injury issues, and I, I, think, I guess Dallas had mental issues. Uh, there's no reason that they they should have not been able to go further. Well, they they found a way not to go any further. <laughs> they, yeah, they they found a way to go fishing. That's for sure. I mean, my Colts did a pretty good job with the fact that their quarterback just said, "Hey, I'm going to retire. See ya." Wait, what? Yeah, that's that's a game changer, right? Your franchise quarterback walks away from hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, and probably a, a winning season. Yeah, but speaking of Andrew Luck, let's talk about the XFL, which is by owner Oliver Luck. <laughs> nice segue. Boom. Uh, crush it. Crush it. <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I liked I liked what I saw the first week. I, I only got to catch a, a couple couple minutes of a couple games, but uh, I that that team in DC looked legit. Um, they they may give the uh, Redskins a little run for their money for the best team in DC there. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely, Dan Dan Snyder. Wait, is it? Yeah, it's Dan Snyder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Dan Snyder is fuming right now, and that is an understatement. He is about to erupt. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, uh, I liked some of the rule changes. I don't know if you got to, to catch the kickoff, but uh, the kickoff looked pretty cool, and I, I think... You know, the last time the XFL was 
was around. They took a couple rules changes um, and brought them into the NFL. I think we could definitely see some of those rule changes come in, and, and I think the kickoff is one of them. Oh, yeah, and especially the 4th and 15. I, I mean, that that is a that is a way to make a game feel... When you think the game is over, it's not over. I really enjoy that rule, the 4th and 15 rule. You can go for 4th and 15 and just keep on going and keep on adding up the score as long as you can, but if you can't make it on 4th and 15, then that's, that's it. So... So, the Falcons in the Big Game 51 wished to have that yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, we're, we're doing dirty on the Dirty Birds. Uh, P.J. Walker, man, for the Houston Roughnecks, gosh, he, he looks incredible. I... You know, it, it, I know it sounds crazy, but a lot of people are even kind of saying it. If the XFL lasts longer than a season, future XFL Hall of Famer right there. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think we might see Cardell Jones in the XFL Hall of Fame too. He, uh, he was lighting up the scoreboard there for for a couple minutes. Yeah. I just wish they gave Los Angeles a better name than Wildcats, okay? I mean, I understand, you know, Wildcats, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I just wish it was a better name, okay? Maybe bring back the extreme name, you know, like back in, what was it, 2001, 2001 when the XFL existed? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. The X is for extreme. Bring back the Los Angeles extreme. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw this, but the Wildcats have already gotten rid of their defensive coordinator after one game. I, I think that's a very interesting move because, I mean, he didn't do a, a great job, but he didn't do that bad of a job. He, it's just it's just the first game. It's a, Really? You think he did that bad of a job? You're like... Get him out of here! <laughs> well, I, I've heard a league isn't a league until coaches started start getting fired. Um, so I guess it's official. The XFL no is now a league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I <laughs> maybe once into retirement, and then I'm like, I don't got anything to do. XFL exists. All right, let's see if I got what it takes to be a be a coach. Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, we've been ta- talking a lot of smack on Kyle Shanahan here, but uh, maybe maybe we get out there and you know see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be one of the most interesting podcasts episodes I would ever have. Kyle Shanahan just randomly going, "Hey." I heard your podcast episode. Wait, you listen to my podcast? <laughs> and forget about that. How dare you think that you could do a better job than me? I tell you what. If I get back to the big game and it comes to the most pressuring moment, I'm going to let you coach. And if you do a bad job, then I'm going to have everybody blame it on you. But what if we ended up winning? Then I take credit. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. But did you see, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. We're in a world 
that a, a former punter and what used to be what everybody kind of considered a pretty much a backup quarterback finding a way to be a starting quarterback are the two best football personalities and even analysts, right? Yeah, it, it's true. <laughs> Pat McAfee and Tony Romo. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, you can't say Tony Romo was a backup quarterback. He he started for the Dallas Cowboys. I know, yeah. but the way that he played, he 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 played like as if he was somehow not a Jason Garrett, but Tony Romo is his own Tony Romo. He is. He is. There's there's no other way to describe him. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's super fun uh, watching games uh, announced by those guys. Yeah. But I wish he was announcing the game, this big game, not Joe Buck. What, oh, does, yeah. what does he have on Fox? I mean, look, okay, I understand, you know, with Jack Buck. And they even made a whole big special thing. Uh, Jack Buck announced Super Bowl four and so they wanted to find okay, I understand that, okay? Because, you know, Super Bowl four, Super Bowl fifty four, you know, passing the torch, father or son. Okay, got that. But in the past, I'm I'm like, can we please I mean he's doing a lot better job, don't get me wrong. He he, he has improved. It's just gosh, it's really annoying as a Cubs fan, I've always wanted to say the Cubs win the World Series. And it's the St. Louis native, my rival, the Cardinals, the fan of the Cardinals, and the Yankees announcer is saying the Cubs win the World Series. It goes to show you there is no justice in this world. It goes to show that you still hold a grudge, though. <laughs> a little bit, but if he, but if he would like to be a guest, I wouldn't say no to it. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the Industry Horror Coffin Cast. Of course, thank you for having me on. It was fun. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely, and you can even talk about more about uh, what you do for recruiting at Aerotech as well. Yeah, I'd be happy to. All right, you take care. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you all to my industry horrors out there. I do appreciate the support, and thank you for listening to the Industry Horror Coffin Cast. If you enjoyed listening to this Industry Horror Coffin Cast... And would also like to be a guest on an upcoming Industry Horror Coffin Cast episode, please contact IndustryHorrorCoffinCast at gmail.com. Where you want to tell your story of living with autism, entertainment, horror, anything that you are comfortable with. I would be happy to share your story. This episode of the Industry Horror Coffee Cast is brought to you by Industry Horror. Industry Horror is a 501c3 nonprofit. 
that helps out in the trades of silkscreen printing, making buttons, and making stickers. And also, at the store for cashiering, organizing, clothes. Also, we are now selling yo-yos at the Industry Horror Store. No matter how small or how large your business is, we'll, we'll be happy to help you out. If you need some updating with your logo, we can also help you out with that as well. Industry Horror. Screen printing with a conscience. We help employ autistic adults and people with special needs. If you want to find out more information, go on to industryhorror at gmail.com or industryhorror.com. You can also shop online, industryhorror.com, or if you are around the Venture County area, 518 East Main Street, the Industry Horror Store, near the Buffalo Exchange Store. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really do appreciate it. As I'm Nathan... Telling you to add a little bit of horror into your life.